in Christ alone. I stand in his power and his might. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come here uh, in this time to worship you. Through teaching of your word, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds, uh, that we would see you in all your glory. But God, then we would see ourselves in our need for you. God, remove any blocks. Give me clarity of thought and speech uh, so that no one leaves here stumbling. Help us all to walk worthy of the manner of the calling that you have on our life and that we would live for you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, as we continue our Christian leadership uh, questions, uh, today we're dealing with the question of culture. And I just titled this, uh, Courageous Leader. Has anybody done anything courageous in your life? I just want you to sit there and think. Yeah, he jumped off a lot of stuff. Oh, no. Think about some of the courageous things you've done. Would you say it was out of your sheer intelligence? Or would you say you did it, it was just an impulse? I'm going to share one of the most courageous things I've done. I was on a missions trip in Africa. At the end of the trip, they took us on a safari. And you had to sign up for this special treat. Do you want to walk with lions? And you should have saw the waiver I had to sign in order to walk with lions. I didn't tell my wife. I just did it. I have videotape of me walking with lions. And at the end of it, I said, that wasn't too bright. Because when somebody has you sign a lot of waivers, right, that means you may die. And then it also means, don't come back to us. We told you this was stupid. But in order to be a courageous leader, you've got to understand some things about culture. And we're going to walk through three points. You've got to know truth. You've got to live truth. Well, you've got to know truth, you've got to teach truth, and you've got to live truth. Those are my three points. All my point people, those are the three points. You can take a nap. I'll wake you back up at the end. But Mike started as ambassadors. Christians confront culture and Christians accommodate culture. Did that message about two weeks ago. He just introduced it. And he talked about that tension that exists between the two and learning to navigate it well. He said Colossians 4 five and six gives us a clue about how we can accommodate it. We need to act wisely towards outsiders. That means people who don't believe, making the most of the time. Look at this. 
Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that, purpose clause, you may know how you should answer each person. I want you to stop and park right there. You have an unbeliever. This passage is telling us we've got to be very gracious in our conversations to people who don't know Christ. But the key to that for me is the purpose clause. So that you may know how to answer. They should be answer asking us questions about our faith. We should be standing out such in society that they'd be like, David, you're, David, I just don't understand. You're so joyous all the time. And you've got to have an answer for that. It's because of Christ. Can I share you what Christ did for me? He took my sins on the cross. If you can't get excited about that, how many people sin? It's a church. We're in church. It's okay. We're not perfect, right? We give the illusion, because I trusted Christ, now I'm perfect. They need to understand that you still struggle. But guess what? You have an advocate that sits right next to the Father that intercedes before you. That ought to make you excited. You're not in this battle alone. So people should be asking believers questions based on the way you live. Not based on just your words. We're, we're getting ready to get into a political season. A lot of rhetoric's going to go out, right? You know how you, you decide who you're going to vote for? Don't listen to their words. Look at their policies. Look at the work they've already done. That kind of shows you what direction they're going to go in. Their words kind of confuse you because they say whatever they need to say in given situations. But I also think Paul told Timothy a very important thing in his day. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. Did you see that? I highlighted it and messed up. Great patience. We live in an instant society. We think if we share the gospel once, that person should believe. That's not the society we live in. We need to not tell them the gospel. We also need to live the gospel. We need to be able to help them see how Christ has influenced the way we live and the way we talk. Look at the rest that it says. Go to the next slide. They will turn away from the hearing 
the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, Timothy, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He's calling all of us. If we're going to be courageous leaders, whatever ministry God's given you, be faithful to it. Endure the hardships. Whenever you lead, can I tell you there's somebody ready there to correct you? There's somebody that's not going to agree with you. And pray that it's not your spouse. Because a lot of teaching I've done, I had to go home to a car. It's like, you know you said that? I said, no, I didn't. The Holy Spirit said that. I tried to, I tried to get out of it quickly. Then she said, D, you might want to go back and listen to what you just said. People in the congregation, you can send emails. Send it to Mike. It's Pastor Mike at Valley Baptist. If you have any concerns about how I preach, send them to Mike, and we'll have a conversation. But as you lead, understand you're going to have hardships. Not everybody's going to be able to see what you see now. Mike came here with a vision. A vision of seeing Valley become all that God wants Valley to be. And there was some hardship. There were some tough conversations. But can I tell you, all you guys that are sitting here are sitting here because of prayer and faithfulness to God, that he believed God wanted you here, and that Valley was going to continue. Understand, there's hardship in ministry. He's telling Timothy, be faithful. They're not going to want to hear what the Bible has to say. So many preachers have taken the word of God out of the pulpit and replaced it with popular conversations. Can I just tell you the word of God cuts? Have you ever sat there and someone was like, you thought they were preaching right to you? He's like, did you see me do that this week or something? The Holy Spirit knows all. And the Holy Spirit gives you the word in season and out. But the problem is, we got so many people not wanting to teach the Bible anymore. I read an article this week uh, by Tom Rainer. It says, the title of the article, One Big Reason Church Attendance is Declining. And he says the big reason is they stop believing in the religion's teaching. They stop believing in teaching. 56% of the people that have walked away from the church, that may have grown up in the church, no longer believe in the teaching. That was alarming to me. That's something that says, as a body, we got to make sure we're teaching the Word of God and not teaching culture, not teaching the latest things and the latest fads, and not teaching legalism because it affects people. People are leaving. Timothy told him this time was coming in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, hard times will come in the last day. People will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, 
disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lover, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Look at this. Holding to a form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. When Paul was writing this, he believed they were in the last days. I think Paul's living in our world today. You saw that long list? We see that on a daily basis. They have a form of godliness. In other words, they have a idea or a concept that they believe they're, they're from God. They know God. But they deny his power. You know what power they're denying? The power to transform them from the inside out. They're going on the things that they know and what they've studied about the world and culture, not about the Word of God. But you can't say Jesus didn't warn us. In the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus says, Be on your guard against false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. You will recognize them by their fruit. Understand everybody that you listen to, podcasts or everybody has a podcast. Understand you got to verify what you're listening to lines up with the Word of God. Too many times we subscribe to uh, podcasts and people that claim to know God, but don't know God. Listen to what he goes on to say. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. That's one of the most sobering passages in the Bible for a preacher. There are so many people that play church, know all the churchisms. Let's, let's see, it's call and response. God is good. And all the time. Yeah, see, y'all grew up in church. Practically, what does that mean? Yeah, that's what I thought. You just scratch your head. We, we say a lot of stuff, but does our living line up with God is good? i give you an example. Have you ever gone to the bank, had to make a deposit, those of us that do it on your lunch hour, and you get somebody in front of you that wants to have a conversation with the teller? And there's no other tellers in the room. And you're sitting there like, hello, I'm on my lunch break. And she wants to go, uh, ma'am, how much is my car payment? Ma'am, the same car payment you paid last month. 
Payment didn't change. It's not flexible. How are your children? Oh, so-and-so graduated. Oh, that is great. Do you rejoice with them having the conversation? Or are you, are you like me? Ma'am, I'm the only other person in here. Let me go in front of you. Then y'all can have your conversation. How Christ-like is that? Is it? What would Christ do? Join in the conversation. Oh, that is so great your child graduated. That is so awesome. You know I have a graduation date too. I'm going to see Jesus. When this life is over, he's going to graduate me and I'm coming up to heaven. Do you know him? You, you know, it's not hard to bring Jesus into a lot of conversations. Why do we hesitate to bring him up? How many people have children? Jay. How many people have photos of your kids? How many people share all the different stages of your kid's life when you come up to people you haven't seen in a while? We know how to share. But when, is, when we start talking about Jesus, it makes people uncomfortable, doesn't it? And we kind of shy away. And I, I think it's because we don't know as much as we think we should know. But what you do know, you should share. Let's go to our text for the day. John tells us in John 4.1, uh, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Our job is not to just take everything everybody says. We need to do some work, and we need to testify and verify that what somebody's saying is from God. So we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. It says, now, the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are sealed. Understanding, we're going to have false prophets their fruit, hypocrisy, lies, and a mind far from God. How do you tell if somebody's lying? You got to line it up with truth. Those of us who have parents, who are parents, you've learned to tell when your child is lying, their behavior, their mannerisms. If you haven't, this is for free. Just watch them closely. They'll do the same mannerisms when they're lying and others when they're telling the truth. And I taught my daughters as they got older. I'm sorry for the teenagers in the room. I'm sorry. What happens is I started telling my kids, if I asked you a question, guess what? I already know the answer. So you might as well just tell me the truth. If I don't ask you the question, that means I may not know. Then my daughter, my youngest, 
said, Dad, you didn't know that time, did you? I said, nope, but you told me. You want our kids to be truth tellers so that we can learn to share what God's grace looks like. Right? Too many times we, we've heard we've got to beat it out of our kids. Did God beat it out of you? Or did you understand his grace? Did you understand his mercy? Do you understood we all deserved hell? We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We need to start modeling what that looks like to a world that does not know him. This world doesn't understand. You get what you earn. None of us earn salvation. You can't. None of us are perfect. But there was one perfect person. His name was Jesus, who bore our sins on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I. Why? So that we can get his righteousness and stand before the Father as pure. So you don't have to be afraid to go to God when you mess up. First John 1 John 1.9 said, as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Come on. How many of us go weeks without bathing? Okay, I, 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 that was an extreme. Uh, children might, but how many of us go days without showering? Don't raise your hand. I don't want, it, I don't want people to see. If we won't go one day without shower to be clean, how many days do we go without confessing our sins and knowing that we sin? God cleanses us of all unrighteousness. So we have the opportunity to go before the God, uh oh, go before God and get clean. But you have false witnesses that say one thing and live a different way. And so what I've learned is you watch somebody's witness or work and you listen to their words, it gives you what they're testifying about. So if God walked with you, would your words and walk line up with his witness? Just for a day. If God walked with you for a day, would your words and the way you live testify to his goodness? Or would they testify to the world's way of thinking? That's just a formula for trying to understand false teachers. What's at the heart of their message? You have a lot of prosperity gospel that God wants you to be healthy, rich, plenty of mansions. Is that God's heart? God wants to see many come to Christ. God wants to see 
people being transformed to becoming more like Christ. And so understanding how you understand life and what matters helps you with your walk. I also want you to see that the enemy of this world has blinded people from seeing the gospel. That's 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Have you ever witnessed this somebody over and over again and they just won't get it? And you got somebody like Pastor Mike that just shows up and just said, Christ died for you. He was buried and rose again. He's like, I believe. It's like, no, I've been saying the same thing. Sometimes another voice saying the same thing that you said is like, it must be something to this. Or you've been praying for somebody so long, right? David comes up and starts volleyball. And then you got an unbeliever coming to volleyball, and you see all these Christians playing nicely, who are representing Christ well. And they were like, there must be something to this. You don't understand the power of the invite. But guess what? Our walk and our words need to match up with Christ's walk and his words. We come here every Sunday. It sounds good. But how many of us get attacked as soon as you get to the parking lot? How many of us get cut off on the way home? And all of a sudden, all those words about Jesus being enough? I'm on a honk ministry. I, I will lay on that horn till you see me and acknowledge that you did something wrong. Yeah, I could just preach the message, but I'm going to give you what the world gives you out there because you don't understand Christ in here. But do you understand the same way we are in here, we have to be with outsiders. We have to walk this walk. It's not just for church. It's just not for play. We need to understand that the world's under the influence of the evil one. That's 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. So he's influencing a lot of people to do a lot of things. He knows he can't steal a believer's salvation. But what can he take? Your testimony. He can make your light a little dimmer by just sending some people to poke you just the right way. Then you start understanding that these false teachers were teaching things that went contrary to what the Bible says. First uh, Timothy 4, 3-5, they said they forbid marriage and demanded abstinence from food that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. Understanding that the false teachers went straight against Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created he saw, and it was good. That's all that it keeps saying. It just keeps repeating that. Understanding God created everything good. It's us that made it sinful.
And so they were going directly against the word of God. So you have to understand your word so that you can... Yeah, that's not true. Marriage is good. God created a male and female. Marriage is good. But not only that, he tells us to rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecy, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. You start to get the understanding as believers, we need to test everything. Too many times we sit in the pews, we listen, we say amen, we say that's good, but do you go home and test it? Do you go home and see, Pastor Mike said some real stuff about women in ministry. He said some stuff that made me research. And part of a good disciple is we go home and like the Bereans, we study the scriptures. And you know the truth for yourself. Not only that, but what always got to Paul was when somebody perverted the gospel. When they added something to the gospel. Paul was like, this is a foundational truth that we all need to know and walk in. And you've got to learn how to share the truth. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to teach it. Teachers. How many teachers we have in here? How much studying do you do for a lecture? How much reading do you do before you get up and present? You can't present all that you've learned. But you pick out the important things. We need to study the Word of God like that. So that when we present it to people, we feel confident that we shared the truth of the gospel. So my second point, you know the truth. Now you have to teach the truth. Look at what it, Paul tells Timothy. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and the good teachings that you have followed but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. There's a lot of words in here that just continue to give you that vision of training. How many people have trained for a marathon? All right, we have no marathon winners. How many people would like to train for a marathon? How many people would like to walk a mile? Oh, my word. Y'all don't want... Jim, I'm going to talk to you because, Jim, you like challenges. You want to run a marathon with me, Jim? Run, no. <laughs> I'm too fat. No, you're not. Yes, I am. See, the problem with training, nobody wants to do the hard work. All things are possible through him who believes. Take that one and smoke it. Um, understanding training takes discipline, sacrifice, hard work. 
Training in godliness takes discipline, takes sacrifice, takes hard work. Just like training for a marathon, we all say we can't do it. Training for godliness, can we do it? You know, y'all all should have just blew me away with the amens for training for godliness. But you've got to want to do the work. Jim said he didn't want to do the work. Training for a marathon, if you're not a runner, you start with walking. Once you get your walking down, you start with a slight jog. You see the progression. That's with us in discipleship. You start with reading your scripture a couple days a week. I'm not going to say every day. A couple days a week. And then you move to, oh, I'm going to read a whole book. Then you're going to move to, well, let me see what Paul says about this particular teaching. So that you flush it all out. But what happens is we don't want to do the work because it's painful. And you don't get it right away. How many people have read the, the Bible? And you said, I just read that and I didn't get that. Yep, happens to me all the time. And you know, a professor in Bible college told me, reread it. I said, I didn't get it then. He said, read it again. The more you read something, God starts doing something in your heart. But he pointed out a big thing. He said, did you pray before you read? read? Did you ask the Spirit to reveal to you God? I think a lot of times we pick up the Bible like it's a novel instead of the Holy Scriptures written by the Holy Spirit so that we need a good guide, but training for godliness will cost us. Second uh, Tim, Timothy two fifteen says, "Be diligent to present yourself at, to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." Brothers and sisters, that's what the church needs today: more people dedicated to the scriptures to studying so that they can teach. Not waiting for Pastor Mike to say, we need teachers. you be like, I've been studying, Pastor Mike. I'm ready to teach. And then I'll say, hold on a second. Let me hear what you study. Let me hear what you're going to teach. Let's do this together. That's why we look for partners in teaching classes so that we can work on it together we can identify those who have that gift of teaching. How many people want to teach next block? Oh, God. How many people want to be assistants next block? Okay, same people, okay. <laughs> Let's stop. Father in heaven, we need teachers. Touch hearts. Help people to understand that they can learn the Word of God. Give us a, a harvest of teachers that want to share in Jesus' name. Then lastly, we got to live out the truth. Look at what he says. 
in 4, 11 through 16. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for believers in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give attention to the public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress is evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Preserve in these things. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Brothers and sisters, it's so important for us to live out the truth of Scripture. That's all Paul's exhorting him to do. Understanding somebody's watching you. And I know you've heard, and you call yourself a Christian. Have you heard people say that? That kind of, it causes my insides to go in. And then I say, you know what? Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not perfect. It gives you another opportunity to share the gospel. Because of what Christ has done, I have an advocate that prays for me when I don't know what to pray. You can have an advocate as well. Christ died for sinners. People who weren't perfect. Have you ever lied? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Most people say yes. Well, that's the Bible's way of defining sin because it goes against God's holy word. But guess what? He sent his son. He loved you so much that he sent his son to pay the price that nobody could pay. And it's a free gift. If I give you $10 and say no strings attached, you can go do whatever you want with it. That's just a gift. But if I give you $10 and I say, now you got to give, give me back five of it, it's no longer a gift. If I say, you got to work, you got to come cut my grass, it's no longer a gift. You got to work for it. Salvation is a gift. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation. Never be afraid of sharing your testimony in the truth of Scripture. It's the power of God. You know how many times I messed up a gospel presentation? And I'm like, God, I just messed that up. Forgive me. And that person called me back and said, I want to learn more about Christ. It's not about our words. It's about his words. Are you using his words? The power is in the word. May God help us to desire to know his word a desire to teach his word, and this is the most important to live it. Because there's a lot of people that will never enter into a church, but they could read an epistle called Morgan. Each one of us has a story. Are you willing to share your story with somebody who does not know Christ?
Today is the day of salvation. You heard of all the people live for. The most courageous thing you can do is share Christ. It's the most terrifying thing that most people have because they're going to say, they're going to ask me questions. And you know what you say? My God is so large, I don't know all the quest answers. But if you give me some time, I'll get back to you. And then you do your research. You get with Pastor Mike. You get with David. You get with me. You get with a leader that will show you. And then you go back. Are we willing to be courageous leaders in a day that's dark? Are we willing to study God's Word? Be willing to teach but most importantly, live. Father in heaven, we come just thanking you for the reminder that you are such a massive God. We can't know you without you revealing yourself. God, I pray for that one who may not know you today, may be online, may not understand all that you did for them on that cross, but they know that there is a God-sized hole in their heart. Help them to see, for by grace are we saved through faith. And it's not of ourselves; it's a gift from you. Not of works so that no one can boast. It's all about you. God, I pray that you would touch that person now. Help them to see what Christ did on the cross. Exchange his righteousness for our sins so that we could have a relationship with you. God, help us to live a manner worthy of our calling so that people ask us what's different. So many times we ask God for doors to share the gospel. And you tell us just as we go, make disciples. God, may that be our heart this week, that we would be courageous leaders and share Christ with somebody. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, maybe you want to trust Christ for the first time, or maybe you want to be a part of this body called Valley Baptist Church. Uh, what I can tell you about churches, there are no perfect churches, so if you're looking for one, the minute you sit down, that church isn't perfect anymore. But can I tell you, Valley has a heart for people and a heart for teaching people to be disciples of Christ. If you want to be a part of that, if God has placed you here to be a part of that, we want you to be here. Understanding that Christ is building his church, that means he's placing people where there are needs. If God has placed you here, we would love to have you here. Uh, we'll have an invitational song. Pastor Mike will be down front. I'll be down front. Whatever God is challenging you with today, uh, if you need prayer, come on up. Uh, we'd love to pray for you. But whatever God's doing in your heart, respond. Now is the time. You may all stand.